Praise God. Isn't our worship team great? Yeah. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so happy and honored and uh, overjoyed to be preaching with you today. Um, it's really exciting, and, and uh, not just because we have light uh, tunnels and things like that. And if you're new here, you're thinking, man, this church really likes Fourth of July. Look at these crazy things they got. And then you see like the spaceships and the disco balls, and you're like, they really like Fourth of July, but they have no idea what it's about. You know, um, no, this is for VBS, which is a super exciting time of the year. Uh, and uh, I feel like I'm preaching in George Jetson's neighborhood for the first time, so never thought I'd experience that, but there you go. Um, we're at a sermon series uh, uh, called Give Me a Break, and it's about just taking a break to rest and to celebrate. And we need that, right? We have a lot to celebrate today. So let me, let me be the first to say maybe, uh, happy treason day, you ungrateful colonials. Um, <laughs> that, doesn't the queen's face say it all, right? Um, as we celebrate today, we celebrate freedom. Who likes freedom here? Okay. A lot more people than in the last service. The 8 o'clock people, they're just t- tired, I guess. They don't like freedom. We love freedom, and we hate tyranny, right? Who hates tyranny? All right. Yeah, okay. We hate tyranny. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I'm a history nerd. I geek out on these kinds of things. So, like, reading the Declaration of Independence uh, just gets me excited. You know, this is, these beautiful words and the philosophy behind it uh, is really intriguing to me. And, and exploring what it was that they were thinking. And I don't know how you could not be moved by this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's never before in the history of the world has a country been founded on these kinds of principles. It's really special. And I want you to see that. And I also want you to see this is like an epic breakup letter, okay? That's what this is. We lay out the principles on which our country is founded, but it's also an indictment of all the different things that King George had done for the people in the colonies. They're not okay. So you remember on Facebook, I don't know if you've seen this, where what uh, it's like a trend. You, you see where uh, somebody will get their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whatever, and they put a blindfold on them, and they make them hold cards, they say embarrassing things that they did that they don't know they're saying. You know what I'm talking about? No? Okay. Never mind. So I imagine like Thomas Jefferson putting a blindfold on King George and making him hold a card that says, you know, I uh, am guilty of taxation without representation, you know. And, and then uh, when, when you go through the list, uh, yeah, we, freedom is worth it. Right? Freedom is so worth it. And I, and I dig into the philosophy that's behind this. And as I was preparing for this sermon, and, uh, because here in Galatians, Paul is talking about freedom too. And, and he lays it out. He says in Galatians 5.1, Christ has truly set us free. So make sure that you stay free. One translation says, it's for freedom that you've been set free. Just for freedom's sake. Right? And, and uh, when I look back at the philosophy behind the Declaration of Independence, uh, Aristotle 
uh, was, gave a lot of inspiration to these things. And, and in his uh, treatise on politics, he coined this beautiful phrase. And, and isn't it amazing? You see these words from the Declaration of Independence, and you see these words in Greek, koinonia ton eleutheron. Isn't it? Right, it's koinonia is a word that is throughout the Bible. It means community, ton eleutheron. Community of the free ones, of the free, right? And, and Aristotle is saying this is what the government should be based on. And he talks about how it's unnatural to, to make people that are meant to be free not free. And it's these ideas that inspired Thomas Jefferson and the Founding Fathers, but these ideas that also had to be ringing in the ears of the Galatians when they read Paul's words, because it was several hundred years before that Aristotle had said these things, and these Greek believers in Jesus, freedom was a big deal to them. And so Paul kind of takes what they saw and learned and kind of turned it over, because they were facing a different kind of tyranny, the tyranny of those who said, you have to, you have to follow the law to be right with God. And what Paul's saying is this is tyranny in different words. And so we have the tyranny of King George. We have the tyranny of those uh, who insist that we have to earn our way into heaven. You have the tyranny of Leo X. Uh, We're also going to focus a little bit on Martin Luther's treatise on the freedom to the Christian. Okay, So bringing literature from every time of history. This is also a really great breakup letter. Okay? Martin Luther writes this, he says, Dear Pope Leo, the Church of Rome, formerly the most holy of all churches, has become the most lawless den of thieves, the most shameless of brothels, and the very kingdom of sin, death, and hell, so that not even the Antichrist, if he were to come, would devise any addition to its wickedness. Ooh, a little frosty there, Luther. Like, don't, don't, Luther doesn't pull his punches. Signed, sincerely, your BFF, Martin Luther. Right? <laughs> But then he takes it and he unpacks what freedom is. Because freedom and Christianity go together. And he, and he coins these beautiful words. A Christian is the one who's most free. He's the Lord of all. He's subject to none. A Christian is also the most dutiful servant of all. Subject to all. And these things sound like they're opposites. They can't coincide. But they do perfectly. When we understand what it is we're captive to, you can't really find freedom unless you can identify your captor, can you? If you don't know what's keeping you captive, can you ever find freedom? I think that's one of the biggest problems. As we keep trying to find freedom, but we don't realize what's holding us captive. And when we don't realize what's holding us captive, we find freedom this way, or we find freedom that way, or we try to find freedom this way. But none of those things are going to be the answer for us. We find freedom in all the wrong ways because we're not really identifying what's really holding us captive. What's holding you captive today? What's the thing that's keeping you from the freedom that Christ has in mind for you? Not even from the freedom that you want for yourself, but the freedom that God wants for you. That's what matters most. That's the freedom we're going to talk about today. 
I have little kids, so we watch a lot of Disney movies in my house, okay? Uh, so uh, we watched recently this one called Raya and the Last Dragon. It's one of the most recent Disney princess movies. Have you seen it? If not, I'm going to ruin it for you, so sorry about that. Um, but Raya is this drag. Raya is this uh, young woman, and and she meets this dragon Sisu, and and it's kind of like a dystopian uh, story where everything is messed up in the world. Sound familiar? Uh, everything is messed up in the world. Everything's broken, and they're trying to figure out how to make it right. And she takes upon herself to to right the world, and so meeting this this dragon named Sisu, and so. Sisu's the dragon, but also can shapeshift and become uh, like a human being. So this is Sisu here as well. And, and the problem is these droon, these smoke monsters that, that go throughout the land and they consume people and make, turn them into stone, okay? And so uh, the scene that I want to show you is where they're having a debate. Because Raya's kind of given up on hope that the world can ever be right again. But Sisu has a tremendous capacity to believe in people and to trust and to believe that things can be okay again, that things can be the way they're supposed to. And so there's this debate. And I think if we're, gonna, if we're really going to get to where we're meant to be, we have to hold on to hope. But we also have to be really honest with ourselves about what's keeping us captive. So if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you might get kicked off because Disney doesn't like to share. Uh, and so you can jump over to hopeonline.tv and uh, watch there if you get kicked off. But take a look at this clip. I got this. Did you just throw a shrimp at me? That's not even edible! Hey! Don't look at me like uh, that! You hey hey guys, do you want to play hide and seek? Yeah. Alright, ready? One. Two. Thanks. Two and a half. Three. Remind me to never have kids. Being people is hard. Yep. Six. Seven. You have small heads, no tails. You lie to get what you want, like the talent chief back there. Yeah, well, the world's broken. You can't trust anyone. Or maybe the world's broken because you don't trust anyone. <laughs> you sound just like my ba. Well, he sounds like a smart man. Yeah, he was. I really wanted to believe him. I really wanted to believe that we could be Kumandra again. And we can. Literally thousands of people turned to stone would argue otherwise. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And I did. And you know what happened? I got kicked in the back by someone who gave me a gift. Look around. We're a world of orphans because people couldn't stop fighting over a gem. Want to know why other dragons didn't come back? It's because people don't deserve them. But you can change that. No, Sisu, I am done trying. Kumandra is a fairy tale. The only thing important to me now is bringing my Ba back. <laughs> Did you see, hear what she said? We're a world of orphans because we can't stop fighting each other over the most petty things. 
the world is broken, so we can't trust people anymore. Well, maybe the world's broken because we don't trust people anymore. Which one is it? I don't even think we have to pick. But it kind of helps us see the path forward. We've got to decide. Are, are we going to let the division define us as a people? You know, you shared these breakup letters with you throughout history. Are we going to keep breaking up and breaking up and breaking up? I kind of think no. I kind of think we don't want to be. Right? One of the things that is a value for us is we cast our vision for Lutheran Church of Hope. is to be agents of unity. How's that sound? Does that sound a little bit better than this? As we think about the ways that God is at work in this world, I think that's what we're called to. But we have to admit, we have to acknowledge the ways that this world is broken, the ways that, that we can't trust each other. We have been uh, broken trust, and, and the, the, the trust that we've given other people hasn't really paid off at times. We have to acknowledge those hurts, and we need to figure out how to go forward together as we figure this out together. I think we'll find our true freedom. We have to acknowledge what it is that's keeping us captive. And we have to think about on a deeper level than we ever have before what freedom really means. Because I think some of the things that we name as freedom, and even the way that we define freedom, is not really what God's getting at, not really what Paul's getting at in Galatians, not really the freedom that is truly going to set us free. Because if you look at the way that Thomas Jefferson was thinking about freedom and the way that Aristotle was thinking about freedom or the ways that, maybe the ways that you conceptualize freedom, it's like, I get to choose, I get to decide what my life is going to look like and this is what freedom is like. It's this agency. And it's the other people that are keeping me away from having the choice, the freedom in my life. That's the problem. And maybe this is the way you think about it and definitely this is the way that my daughter thinks about it. I'm the one that's keeping her from being free. Me, dad, dad, okay. I'm the one. So my daughter's seven. This is Lydia and this is Sam. They were in a, we- in a wedding last weekend, and so they're here together, uh, all dressed up. Don't they look cute? Like, it's a good thing they take after their mom, right? Uh, Lydia loved it. She, I knew, like, as soon as she got asked, she was super excited. We had to put her dress up in the closet where she couldn't reach it, so she didn't, like, ruin it before the wedding. Because she couldn't wait to twirl in it. And a couple of years ago, she used to ask this question of everybody in her life. And of course, you know, being a young kid, we, we made sure that only safe people are around her. And she always used to ask everybody, are you on my team? And everybody in her life would always say, yes, yes, I'm on your team. Right? But she didn't, they didn't realize when they said yes, that by saying yes to, yes, I'm on your team, you're now contractually obligated to do what I say because I'm the one that's in charge of my team. Team Lydia, I'm in charge of Team Lydia. You're on my team. It means you do what I say. And it means you don't do what Dad says. All right? That's, that's the reading between the lines. So here, here's how far it went, right? Um, so my mom lives in Colorado, and she was FaceTiming with Lydia and... Uh, Lydia asks, are you on my team, Grandma? Yeah, of course, I'm on team Lydia. And, and Lydia said, okay. You know how to get, get to Costco from her house, right, Grandma? Yeah, I know how to get to Costco from your house. You know how our car starts, right, Grandma? Yeah, I know how your car starts. Okay, now here's, what's, here's the gear stirring in my daughter's head. She knows 
that if she can get to Costco, if grandma can get her to Costco, she knows how to get to Petco from Costco because it's right over there across the parking lot, right? And she knows that she's got some money in her piggy bank. So uh, this is one morning when we were getting dressed, ready for work, I look out the window and the door's open in the car. I'm like, why is the car door open? And I go down and I hear grandma on FaceTime talking to Lydia. No, Lydia, I don't think we should be doing this. Go, Lydia, go get your parents. Lydia, you shouldn't be playing in the car. And Lydia's got her, her booster seat in the driver's seat of the car. Lydia's got her piggy bank in the passenger side seat of the car. She's all ready. She's going to get a cat. In spite of the fact that dad told me we're not getting a cat. Team Lydia is about getting a cat. So if we're on Team Lydia, let's go. Let's get a cat. Right? Freedom is about me being in charge. Is it? Right? We, we think about it this way. There's a spectrum. Am I winning or am I losing in life? Am I free or am I not? Right? Maybe I'm free. And maybe I'm bound. Right? Maybe I'm winning. Maybe Team Lydia is on their way to Costco so that we can get to Petco so we can get a cat. Maybe we're losing like Team Dad is because we, we have a cat now, just so you know how that turned out. And we didn't get a cat that day, but later on we did get a cat, okay? So, and you have to ask, okay, this is how we measure our freedom. Where are we at on the spectrum? Are we winning or are we losing? right? Uh, maybe I'm feeling really unfulfilled right now in my work or in my relationships. Maybe I'm just not firing on all cylinders. Maybe I just don't really know my purpose, right? Maybe I, I am winning. I'm self-actualized, like this psychological term that's about, you know, become, living up to your full potential, uh, by rising up from within yourself all the things that you're capable of. Or, or maybe... I just feel really beat down, and I got really low self-esteem right now. And I'm starting to believe the lies that the world is telling me about myself. Or maybe I have high self-esteem. Maybe I'm really proud of the things that I've been able to accomplish. Or maybe I live in shame. And this spectrum that we all have in the back of our heads at all times, in all your interactions with people the opposite sex and all your interactions with your co-workers and all the interactions you have with other Christians. It's really about the law, right? This spectrum. Like, how do I measure up? And we measure it by comparison. Am, am I winning or am I not? How do I know? I'm doing better than that guy. So yeah, I'm winning. Like, well, but look at that guy. I, I don't know. Do I have what it takes? Where are you at in the spectrum? Are you living captivated by shame? Or is it pride for you? Are you in control of your life? Are you losing control? So, I told you a little bit story about Lydia. Here's a story about my son. My son is four. I didn't think he would be excited about the wedding. But he, was all, he was the ring bearer. She was the flower girl. But when he got the responsibility of standing up front, he took it so, so serious. They gave him this little green dot sticker 
on the floor in the chapel. And they said, all right, Sam, that's your dot. You stand right there. He goes, okay. He, I've never seen this kid stand so still for so long in my life. Look at him. He's like, this is my dot. I'm standing on my sticker. This is my job. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it well. He's afraid of not measuring up. Right? And then in that anxiety, the fear of not measuring up, like at the end of the rehearsal, uh, they kissed and everybody cheered and looked, woo, it was really loud. And it scared him and he got scared and he was crying. You know, so then when the actual wedding happened, he didn't have the awareness to know that the wedding's going to be a lot longer than the rehearsal. Right? So for the whole second half of the wedding, he's like this. Because he's so sure that the loudness is going to come and scare him again. And so, of course, you know, uh, Pastor Jeremy is preaching at the wedding, so a friend of ours had to send him that picture. Like, it doesn't look like Sam likes you preaching too much. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just me. I thought, it was just, I thought, you know, he does that to me all the time. I didn't know he liked preaching in general, right? No. We live in fear of not measuring up. Or we live in pride, so sure that we do. Because look at all the people's heads that I stepped on to get to where I am. Look at, yeah, but you think I'm bad? Look at all those people. Right? Where are you at in the spectrum? Well, I don't want to have pride, but I don't want to be, well, maybe here's the sweet spot right here. You know, maybe a little bit higher, but not all, just the extreme, that's the problem. I think the whole spectrum is the problem. The way that we measure ourselves by comparing ourselves to other people is the problem. A friend of mine told me once that comparison is the thief of joy. You ever heard that? Pay attention. The way that you compare yourself to other people is the thief of joy. And the people that struggle with pride are never the people who admit they struggle with pride. Right? There's not one person in the world that struggles with pride. I love the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said, if you struggle with pride, this is how you know. Are you really bothered by proud people? If proud people really get to you, if it really bothers you when somebody comes in the room and sucks all the air out of the room and all the attention goes to that person, that's how you know you have a pride problem. Right? But what I learned about these things, and the whole spectrum is a, is a lie. It's not going to be life-giving, and it's not the answer. Right? Shame and pride really are the same. They're different sides of the same coin. They're not a spectrum apart. They're a razor's edge apart. The people that are most proud are the people that are most full of shame. The people that are most full of shame are the ones that are pounding their chest and, hey, everybody, look how great I am. You know why they're acting like that? It's because they're so full of shame. And so we oscillate between these two things. And we think, like, that's going to be the answer. And what's the answer? It's really about control in your life. And we think that's what freedom is. We think freedom is about being in control of my life. If I have control in my life, that, that's what makes me free. And I want you to see that God's answer is something different. You see, Jesus uses a parable to teach us this lesson in Luke 18. 
He, he paints a picture of a story that his first hearers would say, yeah, I've seen that a thousand times. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. He stood where everybody could see. I thank you, God, that I'm not like this sinner. I'm not like everyone else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of my income to you, God. But the tax collector stood a long way off where nobody could see. And humbly he beat his chest, and he said, God, have mercy on me, for I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, Whose prayer do you think was heard that day? You see, the thing that we think is going to set us free is not going to set us free. The thing that we think is freedom, the thing that we actually want. I want to be able to do the things the way that I want to do them. That's what freedom looks like. Freedom is getting a cat when I want a cat. Freedom is all... Not that I'm bitter about that or anything. (laughs) I like the cat. It's okay. It's okay. When, when we think the things that are going to set us free are going to set us free, whether it's getting a cat or not having a cat, I want freedom from the cat. So I didn't realize this was going to be confession for me. Like, um, when, when we realize the thing that we thought was freedom is not freedom at all, when we realize the thing that's keeping us captive is actually the thing that we've been turning to to set us free, you got to know your captor if you want to find freedom. And the things that we've been turning to for freedom are actually the things that have been setting us free. You see how twisted that is? But do you see how revolutionary that is when we realize that we don't have to keep turning to the things that hold us captive? That's the thing with addiction. You keep turning to something to set you free from your problems, but that thing is actually holding you captive. But that's not specific to addicts. That's the problem with every single human being. We keep turning to things that promise us freedom, but they never set us free. And so that's why Martin Luther said this, the Christian man is the one who's most free Lord of all because he's quitting the turn to the things that keep him captive. You're not subject to anything anymore because you're subject to Christ alone. Christ alone and the Holy Spirit alone gets to dictate your life, gets to decide what your life is like. And from that, you get to live with a different purpose. You get to live for the sake of love and serving someone else. Not because you have to, to earn your place in heaven. Because that's the thing that signifies your freedom. So through the movie, Raya and the Last Dragon, Raya and Sisu come to the place where they're finally going to be able to set everything right. The world is going to be the way that it should be for once. And they have two different plans, two different ideas, the way that they're going to set everybody free. And Raya's plan is we're going to go and we're going to take it by force. And we're going to figure out how to make sure that these people don't get in the way of our freedom. And Sisu the dragon, again with the naivete of trusting people, says, no, we need to do it different. We need to bring a gift. And we need to invite them along to be a part of what freedom looks like. And in that tension, they decide to go with Sisu's plan. 
to trust and to invite and to find freedom together. Take a look. I see you got my gift. I never thought I'd see this again. Well, uh, I tried to take good care of it. You're not the only dragon nerd here. Peace. Time to bring everyone back. Sisu and the gem pieces are coming with me. Sisu, stay back! It was foolish to trust someone from Fang! Don't come any closer! Namari, it doesn't have to be like this. I don't have any other choice. Hey. Anybody. What are you doing? You just want a better world. Like we all do. Sisu. I trust you, Namari. go how you thought it would go, did it? It's exactly how the disciples felt when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the soldiers were coming. And you saw Raya go to draw her sword, and this is what Peter did. It's like they were trying to write this movie for a sermon illustration. Right? And Sisu says, to her disciple, I got this. And then turns to the one that will betray and says, I trust you. Sound familiar at all? You see, what we think is freedom isn't freedom. And what we think is captivating isn't really the thing that's captivating us. Right? And the thing that we think is going to set us free never will. Shame and pride are... Different sides of the same coin, erasers that apart. The thing that's captivating us is sin. And it might be a sin that we want to say is real small, right? It's not big, it's just a little sin. This is what's keeping you sick. This is what's keeping you captive. Right? And, and the answer of trying to figure out how to be good is not the answer. Right? The spectrum is different than we thought. The spectrum looks like this. Opposite of shame and pride. Sorry, I have a fear of public spelling. <laughs> it's humility and faith. These are the things that set us free. It's trusting in God. I want, I want to unpack this for you because I think that we, we just don't get it in a way that keeps us sick. 
we think the things that are going to set us free don't. Because what we do is we're still just trying to convince people that we're okay. So I'm going to let this um, mason jar be a symbol for my soul, okay? That's marked by sin. And what do we do? We live in shame. I'm going to hide this from you. I don't want you to see my sin. So I'm going to keep this from your eyes. And I'm going to keep... I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to put only the good things on my social media. I'm going to make it look like I got my stuff together. Then you'll let me be a pastor at your big church, right? Then you'll let me be an employee at your workplace. Then you'll let me be your spouse. Or you'll let me... Because if only you don't see this, then maybe I'm okay. That's the thing that's keeping us sick. The thing that's keeping us sick is the secrets. Right? And, and as long as we're hiding, what's really keeping us sick, we kind of cherish it. We keep it close to our heart, and it becomes a part of our identity. As much as we protest and as much as we try to tell the world that it's not our identity, it becomes a part of who we are. It defines the way that we live and the choices we make. So I'm going to shock you a little bit. The answer to shame Because shame is the shadow that sin casts. In the Bible, there is no shame in the world until sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, the shame comes along with it. Read Genesis 3, right? Adam and Eve are together, and they're naked, and they have no shame. And then when when they fall away, their eyes are open in their nakedness. And they cover themselves because they're ashamed. Shame is nothing but the shadow that sin casts. And and we realize that shame is the thing that's keeping us sick. I want you to hear the antidote. It's not something you'd expect. The antidote to shame is guilt. What? Guilt and shame are the same thing. They're synonymous, right? We always say guilt and shame. All the time people talk about guilt and shame together. I want you to see what guilt really is. It's a stepping stone to freedom. Because shame is, I am bad. Shame is where my sin becomes my identity. Guilt is something different. Guilt is where I'm able to say, you know what? This thing that I've been trying to hide, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to hold it out here. And when I hold it out here, the sin disappears. The sin goes away. Because I'm not letting it define me anymore. I'm not letting it be my identity anymore. I'm going to hold it out here, far away from where my heart is, because shame and sin are not my identity. And yeah, it's it's scary. It's really scary to hold it out here, because over here, maybe nobody will see it. But out here, everybody's going to see it. This is what the Bible's talking about when it talks about confession. And we don't like confession. Nobody likes confession unless you're doing it wrong. Right? It's painful and it's hard and it's scary. But it sets you free. It's freedom. Guilt is is to say, yeah, there's these things in my life that are not right. But they're not me. I've done bad, but that doesn't mean that that gets to define me. These things I'm going to hold out here so the Holy Spirit can wash them away. The Bible says, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. You're living in pride, you're deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you, but if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just 
to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what we get to be is a kononia ton eleferon. Remember the phrase from Aristotle? Koinonia ton eleferon. The community of those who are free. Koinonia is what we get communion from. Did you know that? It's community. Community of those who are free. So this is what it looks like to be free. In the night in which was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body and it's given for you, for all people, for the forgiveness of your sins. And again after the supper, don't eat it yet. We haven't said our grace. Just like my kids. And again after the supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of your sins, to set you free. Do this in remembrance of me. This is what freedom looks like. So stand with me as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Take and eat the wafer. This is the body of Christ, and it's given for you. Take and drink the cup. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Sin is what keeps us captive, and the power of sin is death. But we're about to sing that death has been arrested. You were set free for freedom. The things that hold you captive don't hold you captive anymore. You're free. In Christ, live in freedom.